I'm gonna get. Oh, I, I kind of want to say something, but I know it's gonna. I know it's gonna. Say it, oh, is say it gonna it, be say controversial? It. <laughs> Please. Jaffa cake is not a biscuit. Absolutely. It's more controversial than that, I would say. Okay, shall we then turn left and check in with the incredible Donna Noble and let's have a look and see what Wikipedia, the marvellous writers of Wikipedia, have to say about this episode. Wish me luck, please. Um, So this episode focuses on an alternative history where the Doctor dies during the events of the 2006 Christmas special, The Runaway Bride. The episode depicts a dystopia caused by the Doctor's death, leaving Rose to convince Donna to save the world. That's enough of that. That wasn't too bad to read, guys. Shall we turn right? Shall we? Shall we turn right? Let's turn right. David, what do you think about this episode? Much like the previous one, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a beautiful bit of writing. Phenomenal performances all around. One of which, well, no, three of which we'll get into later. Three Um, of which. I love that. Three of which. (laughs) I know where we're going. (laughs) You... (laughs) You were there for the Sontaran stratagem, so there you go. Um, <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's uh, it's a completely different episode to the previous one, but um, I think it's yeah, I think it's lovely. I think lovely. That's not the right word. That's not the right word at all. It's, it's not the right word. No, it's um, brilliant. It's brilliant. Awesome, Greg. Do you remember how you felt about this when it first aired, and have any of your feelings changed over the years? I think it probably has as I've grown up because there are some, I mean, I wasn't particularly young when I first watched it, but I have matured and I've, you know, I know a bit more about the world and there are some very interesting, very Russell T Davies political points that are made in this as well that I did not appreciate when I first watched it. I mean, I was all, I was just there for Donna. I was just thinking, oh, this is a Donna heavy episode. Great, great, great. Bit of Rose, lovely bit of, timey-wimey stuff I'm all set but now actually on reflection I think that there's there's a lot more to it that isn't just about Donna that is a bit outside of Doctor Who but that's yeah but I think yeah I loved it and it has one of my uh favorite storytelling techniques in it where it it takes a step to the side of the main storyline Oh, you're and a it, fan of a parallel world, do you? I love it. I love, well, not even just a parallel world, just I like a, a spin-off where you can see the main storyline happening alongside, you know? Mm. I don't really how, know how, how else to explain that. It doesn't have to necessarily be, um, yeah, a parallel world like this is, but just, you know, you can see all the way through this, uh, the things that happen in the main Oh, I don't yes. know. How, I don't know how I'm tr- trying to say, but like when when Torchwood crosses over and, uh, yeah. and Sarah like, Jane crosses yeah. over, it's it's. I love seeing the main through line of a story, but just from a bush, you know, or from the other side, <laughs> from another street. You just see the Doctor running past, and it, that kind of yeah. storytelling technique. I love yeah. it, mm-hmm. and this this had this in Spade Load, so loved yeah. it. And I I just want to add as well for me because you I when you were talking about your favourite, it's got one of your favourite pieces. This episode has got two of my favourite bits of acting from anything, not just Doctor Who, like every film, every bit of television I've ever seen. It's got two of the most phenomenal bits of acting I've ever seen. Scenes, yeah. And I'm sure we're going to get to them very shortly. Maybe. So I feel like, okay, we're probably going to be able to answer like two questions and combine our thoughts together here because I think that obviously Catherine Tate is phenomenal in this and her performance is phenomenal and this her story is amazing as is the story of the whole thing. So like let's talk about those two things. Let's talk about kind of how successful the story is and how good Donna is. Um Greg. Well she's she's great. She saves the day <laughs> at the she end. She saves the day. And I I just think you know I think it's Donna's had such a bad time of it because she's now had two uh, parallel lives alongside her usual one. You know, she had the library, you know, when she was saved, she had that whole world that wasn't real. And then she had this where 
her whole world crumbled and she died at the end spoiler alert I just <laughs> oh, she's had I'm, such well, a I'm bad gonna... time of it <laughs> I'm not going to watch it now no you can't can't there's no point um I think it's amazing as well though how like we are getting a a snapshot of an alternate timeline of obviously where like everything that the Doctor has affected in New Who recently, we see undone. And I think that's mm. really, really clever. And having it, I think it's really brave as well that they gave Catherine Tate as the companion the, the lead role in this episode without the Doctor there. Mm. I mean, obviously, for, from a production point of view, it was double-banked, I understand why they did it. But, you know, this would have been written before we'd seen Donna back as the Donna in Series 4. So I think it's really brave that they chose to do that. And and I love the fact that it's a different way of doing the double-banked story, which has been done a few different ways now on the show. And I think I think it's a very successful way of doing that. I yeah. do have a... Now, I'm a bit of a fan of a parallel world, an alternate timeline. I'm a complete sucker for this kind of thing. Um, there is a sort of... Sometimes there's a, a, a tiny, tiny, tiny splinter for me about the whole parallel world story because, in a way, it doesn't matter what happens because it's all going to get undone anyway. So, in a way, the episode doesn't have to exist, if that makes sense. But I don't feel like that about this story because I think that it is amazing and it does have a function because, obviously, we have the return properly of Rose and she is what is like moving the story forward because she is here trying to get back to the doctor because everything is going to hell. And that's the kind of point where we're coming in from that make this episode valid. So David, how successful do you think the plot is and how good do you think Catherine Tate is? I think what's interesting with Catherine Tate and I, and I, I've always been honest about this when she first appeared in um, Runaway Bride, I did not like her. As a character, I didn't like her. And when they announced she was coming back, I thought, oh, God, really? You're bringing her back? Within the first two seconds of Partners in Crime, I went, I love her. She's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I think what's what I love about this episode of Turn Left is it really proved how amazing of an actress Catherine Tate is, which I think people have forgotten, and I still think people have forgotten now, because she's so known for her comedy work and she's so known for playing gran and all those people that this episode really proves what an amazing actress Catherine Tate is mm. and it's it's just a i just think it's an episode just to prove that actually more than anything mm. um i think the script i think as a script it's a really clever idea and i i don't mind the whole parallel universe thing i kind of i could take it or leave it me i you know mm. um like a like a biscuit i could take it or leave it what do you mean like a biscuit. Wait, what? Like a biscuit. What do you mean like a biscuit? You in can real leave life, a biscuit. I could leave a biscuit, you know. I, could oh, take I, do, I think Wait, me and Mike what? are getting there. We, we're no, not no, there. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I'm very much a biscuit. You're a biscuit. I, I, I'm, on the, I'm on the side of biscuit. You're here. a biscuit you gobbler. Could a, you could take or leave a biscuit, <laughs> really? Yeah. No, but that's what I mean with the parallel. Uh, I, I, no, 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 no. Do you have a favourite biscuit? <laughs> we're having this chat, are we? Cool, okay. <laughs> we're having this uh, chat. Uh, controversial Jaffa cake all the way. I love a Jaffa cake, but it's not a biscuit. It is a biscuit. It's in the biscuit aisle. We're not having this conversation. <laughs> Boys, come on now. Thank you, Greg. Gre- Let's Greg, get back you, on track. Greg, do you have a favourite biscuit? I do have a favourite biscuit. What is it? It's an. I like an Oreo because I am basic. I but... see. Mine is, even, mine is even more basic. I like a chocolate digestive. Oh, actually, oh, uh, that, yeah. That is, that is that is cracking. Okay, yeah, we oh, can all agree on that. That is lush. <laughs> okay, anyway, from biscuits to Donna Noble. Yeah, no, so I just, I, I think it's a very, sorry, that's, that's like, what? Um, I just think it's a very clever plot. I think it's, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a really, hang on, I've, I've lost the train of thought because I'm still thinking about biscuits. <laughs> You're talking about parallel worlds, you could yeah, totally I think leave it, but I think this one is done very well. I think it's a really clever concept for an episode. And also, it's one of those, um, sort of things that we all think about of like life choices you know if i don't take that job doing i don't know uh, as a security guard am i ever going to get a job doing that you know it's, it, we all mm-hmm. go through that in our life mm-hmm. 
and uh, yeah, I like things like that, which bring it into kind of everyday situations for us. Nice. I, I liked the shift in because obviously at the beginning, it, the Doctor dies pretty much immediately, and you, I think from that point on, you're like, oh, okay, this is the tone. You know, shit's yeah. gonna get real. There is no yeah. turning back. This is a dangerous episode because <laughs> there is no safety. The safety net has been taken away. Absolutely. And I think it's really clever as well when you realise that it was at the point of meeting Donna that the doctor doctor's life has changed and Don the the linking of Do- Doctor and the Donna and you know the Doctor Donna. And I think Rose says later on in the episode where actually it's not just the Doctor we need, we need you too. The timelines are converging on you. Um that's really fascinating and amazing and important and it's probably going to continue to carry on now in the sixtieth because it looks like Destiny is swirling around Donna Noble, and I love that. Mm. I love making her the most important, not the Doctor. The Doctor's there to help her, but this is about Donna. Love that. Don't touch Donna, though. I swear to God, if they don't get... touch Donna, don't, don't you touch her. No, don't. She you... deserves happiness. She does. She, and does. If... she does. Yes. She. Yes. yes. I agree. I agree. So, Greg. Yeah. Your favorite Rose Billy has returned finally and properly. She's back. And yeah. how did this land for you? Great. I mean, she's she's quite different, isn't she, now? Because whereas before she was very much a, an assistant, she was very... I mean, she had her moments of, you know, leadership and being smart and all that, but she was she was a kid. Mm-hmm. But now, now she is... She's Rose Tyler. She is an adult. She is grown up. She's fighting. She's travelling across parallel universes on her own. It's a very different... I mean, Billy Piper's great, but it's a different shift in her character, and I loved that. You just saw her grow up. Yeah, she, she, she she's really good at playing kind of like the Doctor-like figure here, isn't she? Because yeah. we don't have a Doctor, so she's there. Um, I'm, still, I'm still trying to get to grips with... Now, I don't know whether you two are going to agree with me with this, but I, I'm still trying to get to grips with the, the fact that she knows so much about what is happening and what's going on, right? So I was listening to some other Doctor Who podcasts because there are some others available, apparently, and mm-hmm. um, I'm a fan of many of them. I think it might have been Flight Through Entirety, but I could be wrong, don't quote me. And someone on some podcast somewhere suggested that Rose, when she's leaning over Donna's dying body, is... That's what happens first for Rose in this particular story. So she knows Donna's going to to die first and has to work her way backwards to get to where she gets to that point. Does that make sense? A bit River Song. Yeah. A bit yeah. like yeah. seeing things yeah. in the wrong order. Because I was trying to understand how Rose would be would know so much. She says things like, Is your grandfather still have a telescope? Oh yeah, tend to look up at the sky in three weeks' time. Like she knows too much. Specifically, too much. Not like in general, the stars are going out, so you will notice. It's Although she does, she does say because Donna at one point says, uh, "And this is going to work," or "Do you? How do you know this is going to work?" She does say, "We don't." She doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of unanswered questions, and there is basically one of the only problems I have with this episode is around this point actually, where at the end she says, "I'm sorry, Donna, but you're going to die." Was it's still never clear to me what she means because obviously she will die because she gets hit by the truck, mm. but it's kind of played as if Donna is going to die. The whole the, the biggest show Donna of the, yeah. the show, yeah, yeah and yeah. It, it always sort of hit me like actually is she talking about Donna alternative universe Donna's going to die. Or is that it just wasn't very clear what she actually meant. I no. think actually what she means is alternative universe Donna. But it's it's bigged up in yes. a way that actually she's I don't know, it just it wasn't very clear no, to me not. that like, whole situation. We're, we're seeing that she's like she's being like she's in some sort of dimension cannon being thrown across dimensions. Sometimes she's being thrown through portals, other times she's fading away. None of that is really explained. And I don't want no. to be one of those fans, right, where I'm like, oh, but the science doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. I'm I'm happy to admit that this is just a sci-fi reason to get Rose back into the story. And I I can suspend my disbelief. And that's fine. But there's just something about the kind of like 
time time traveliness that I for some reason my brain can't stop until it understands. And at that point as well, how long has she been working with Unit? Yes, because they're they're working together and they seem to know a lot and they've built this whole thing based on the TARDIS uh, using the TARDIS's energy. Uh, but she's just been pulled across. Like, uh, where are? Well, yeah, I, it's all very confusing and how very timey wimey. How how long has Rose been here doing this with Unit in this particular parallel world? Why are they putting all their efforts into this person they don't know who keeps disappearing on them? Um, mm. Because she's not from this parallel world. She's gone into Donna's parallel world, hasn't she? If I'm right. She, I thought she's from the future. I thought she says at one point, "Oh, if you don't do this, then the future." Because I feel like she's come from a a future parallel universe or something have i completely it could be just no but it could just be something as simple as that like we do know that her world is running ahead of this one yeah so we do know that so there's every possibility that she would have seen some things happening faster but that doesn't make sense in terms of the dalek plot of stealing planets and things because that's happening relatively to them now or Mm. am i getting i i this is what this is because the stars are going out aren't they yeah, but I have a slight problem with the stars going out too, because if the stars are going out, that means it happened millions and billions of years ago, because that's how long it's taken the light to travel to us anyway. That's true. So, like, like it's like it's a really effective visual piece that the, the, the sky is going black, the stars are disappearing, but the actual science of that doesn't actually work. <laughs> I think, I think is, I think the way I've always seen it is, it's it, it's just her from a future, and she's basically had to go back and tell, like, the scene of her with Donna is her saying goodbye to Donna. Because she knows that she's going to die and end up in back in where she started, you know, at the beginning of yeah, the episode. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah. I've always seen it as she's come from the future and she's basically had to tell Donna, like, look, like, if you don't do this, the future of you know is going to look bad or something, something like that. Yeah. And when when you were saying, Greg, about you know the confusion of um, who, you know, which Donna was going to die. I saw that as just an opportunity to put that in the trailer, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, if they mm. if they've just put saying, Donna, you're gonna die, then all the fans are gonna be like, No, not Donna. And it's like, no, she didn't actually die. She's she's okay. She's fine. Yes. True. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's for me, it's just, it's just sort of like we're just gonna put this in the trailer to make it a little bit well, more exciting. But then then at the same time, like so I, I know I just said that these parallel stories sometimes sometimes don't mean anything because everything is um, reset because there is a massive reset button. But actually, that Donna we were following from the point of the parallel world, she did die. She did sacrifice herself. And we do yeah. get that emotional payoff of her going through that and realizing she's going to have to step out in front of this lorry to stop it, to make the traffic jam, to make herself in the past turn the other direction. So, like that did actually happen in order for that, do- for that Donna to turn. But you, didn't... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. No, I know. I know. I know exactly, exactly what you mean. But I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to. Like so, yeah. From 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 a kind of um, the devil's advocate's point of view, like um, when Stephen Moffat does this in the series five finale, and Matt Smith is zipping about with his vortex manipulator, being like, "Oh, you need the drink. You need. I need to go and give that to Rory. Put that in the in Amy's pocket. Like that all makes sense because he's going back and uh, doing the timey wimey stuff after it's already happened, but we're seeing it happen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Whereas in this. That, this is just uh, Rose disappears, and she's 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 got all these prophecies. She's like, "Yes, you're going to die. Yes, the stars are going out. The darkness is coming." And she has she has to play the doctor, you know, the person who kind of knows what's happening but doesn't really. I get that, but from a kind of like trying to understand point of view, I still don't one hundred percent understand what's going on. Hmm. But maybe we don't have to understand. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect the enjoyment of the episode. But, but how marvelous it is. Also, it's maybe- a bit. It's a bit strange that. In the next episode, Don um, Rose doesn't really acknowledge Donna particularly, does she? I don't feel like that they sort of have a moment of being like, "Oh, hello." It's kind of just no, because that Donna hasn't met Rose. Oh, we're still getting too confused with her. Do you get me? Because yeah, yeah, Rose yeah. would have met the other Donna, but Rose hasn't met this version of yeah. Donna. No, that makes although sense. Donna to chip in there a little bit and be a bit awkward she does at the end say she's blonde and she says bad wolf so oh, she yes. remembers rose she kind of remembers yeah 
Oh well. So, yeah, just just to make things even more confusing. Oh, it well, might just well, be one of those unanswered questions for yes. you, Mike. We'll 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 move on. It's absolutely as I, fine. As I think I said in the studs and does that, just don't look at the plot too much. Mm. <laughs> uh, sometimes it just doesn't work. If you don't I know. look at Power of the Doctor, it was a great episode, but the plot made absolutely no sense. Mm. <laughs> so David, let's talk about the guest cast in oh, this we, episode, are which we going is there, absolutely are we? phenomenal. Yes, let's talk about the marvelous Bernard Cribbins and Jacqueline King, your favourites. Oh. Just, just, just to let Greg know, I came and did the Sontaran stratagem two-parter, and I spent the whole time talking about Bernard Cribbins. So expect the same. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm with you. I love Bernard Cribbins. Oh, I mean, those two. I'm just going to say it now. I'm just. This is the time I'm going to say it. The scene of Bernard Cribbins saying labour camps, that's what I told them last time, that's what they said last time, is honestly one of the most heartbreaking scenes I think I've ever watched in anything. When you referred to this earlier, I knew you were going to mention that one. Yeah. I knew it. Oh, yeah. I mean, his performance in, because obviously Bernard lived through that as well. Like he, at the war, I mean, it's just, and the other one, and I, I don't think this gets enough credit. Is that I think it's just, and it's the way it's shot and the way it's performed by Jacqueline King, is the scene where Donna opens the door and she's out of shot, she's out of focus, and the and the close up is just on Sylvia's face, and she's got no makeup on. She looks like she, she looks dishevelled, basically. She looks tired. She looks, you know, hungry and everything, and she doesn't say anything. And the only thing she says is, "Yeah," mm. and I just again, mm. I think that's just an incredible bit of acting from her because you see it all in her face. You know, less is more kind of thing. You don't need to have somebody emotional. You just, all you need is that. I think it's mm. a beautiful performance from the two of them. And I don't think, you know, I know we love Bernard. Who doesn't love Bernard? But I don't think Jacqueline King gets enough credit sometimes because no, I, I think, she, and that scene of her in, you know, when they talk about, oh, we're refugees in our own country, all that. I just think mm. the three of them, for me, make this episode. Those three are phenomenal in this episode. They just feel genuinely like a family. Yeah, they do. They, yeah. They've got such a good rapport, the, the three of them. You know, the mm. scenes, I, I love I love the scene when she says, oh, Dad, don't tell them we run it in, uh, won it in a raffle. Dad, take those antlers off. And he's just like, no, Sean, it's Christmas. You know, it's things like that. You just think, <laughs> yeah. we, you've got family members like that and you can tell yeah. as actors they get on like a house on fire. And if you haven't listened to the commentary, it's very good for this. Like you can tell. Oh, it is. But then yeah, when they do to it. when they do the really hard hitting moments, it grabs you more, I think. It kind of gets you more than it does with with like other family members who have been in it since. Absolutely. I think the the scene you spoke about earlier with um um Sylvia up close and in focus and and then Donna not in focus at the back and she just says yeah and it's so interesting I think you're so captivated or certainly I am so captivated in that moment with Sylvia because she is the focus of that scene and just the the desperation you know she's lost everything mm-hmm. she's and in fact she's lost all hope I think at that point that's where we are and she just kind of says yeah to whatever Donna is saying, just because mm. she just has nothing else left to say, nothing else left to give. Mm. And I didn't really properly realise until recently that Donna is saying, like, I've always been a bit of a disappointment, haven't I? And she, she says, yeah. Yeah. And th- yeah. that is what leads Donna to, 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 well, to go and see Bernard on the hill, mm. to, to be like, you know, I, I, you know, she thinks I'm useless. I, I wanted to put mm. some money away to, to help you in your old age. And I couldn't even do that. And he just like ignores her, kind of pushes her away. And you needed all your things to happen to make Donna turn to Rose and be like, I'm ready to come with you now that I have nothing left to give. Mm. And, and it is again, it really shows the master of Ross G. Davis. You don't need to say anything else. No. All you need to say is yeah. And it's the it, it's, it's the writing and it's the way it's delivered. Yeah. He writes he writes bleak very well, doesn't yeah. he? Oh, he yeah. really does. But, but he but does I... the same when Donna is about to die and she just says please. Yeah. And then she steps out because she's saying please change mm. everything. But all she has to say is please. And mm. I and I think what Russell does so well, which maybe some other writers don't, is I feel like Russell knows the actors and writes well for them. I think he knows that, you know, Bernard is a great comedy actor and can do all the really fun bits, but he can do the heartbreak as well. 
and the same with 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 Jax. I mean, she you know she's a she's a great actress and she plays Sylvia perfectly. Mm. But he also re- he also understands that she can do the hard hitting bits as well. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think that's happened much really since particularly. I find yeah, I, that's I don't know if I've spoken about this in the previous episodes, Mike, but I I think. After Russell left, I don't think any of the families were as flushed out. No, they weren't. They weren't. And I think it's because with Russell, he just gets people. And mm. someone was saying to me the other day, like, you know, he will write a character and he'll know what their favourite colour is, what their favourite film is, what they had for dinner last Thursday. Whereas I feel like with the Moffat era, he'll just go, oh, there's a mum and dad. And that's it. You know, Russell T. Davis knows people. He he He's... Again, because he's like a northern, a bit like Alan Bennett, a writer. He knows how to just write people. He can find, he knows everything about them. You know, he, he probably knows what colour pants, you know, a character is wearing that day. Because he's, he just knows. He just knows. Mm. It's an, it's really interesting. It's, it's almost like, and I, and I find this, um, I'm a fan of both showrunners in their, in their own ways. And, you know, Moffat has this thing where people speak like they're in a tv show like like his mm-hmm. rhythms and his the way that he puts the words into the characters dialogue is very constructed and very on purpose um and i because he's got a point to make through that and that and, and his scenes have like a have a way of getting through in in how they speak but it, it does feel very constructed sometimes a bit forced but in in the in the in the show as a whole at that point because all the characters speak in the same way it all fits together nicely and it's fine and and russell does the same you know he he does have a certain way of writing and a certain way of giving characters their speech and sometimes when they go into speeches when when russell's had to write like a monologue and he gets into something you can tell he's had to kind of go right what are we going to say and he sits there he types away and he gets his words out it's all very natural and fits into the russell t davis world of speech but you can also tell that it's him that's written it do you know what i mean Mm. and i think that it's partially because He's the showrunner here as well. So he like you said, he knows the actors and who they are, what they're doing, and what colour pants they're wearing. And because he knows all those things and has his fingers in all of the pies, he's able to make the best informed decisions for the scenes. Mm, definitely. You know? Definitely. He's very, very gifted. Very gifted. And I will also say, and I'm and I'm only gonna say it one more time. I promise. <laughs> but who doesn't love Bernard Crippens? I mean, come Aww. on. It's yeah. hard not to like. Uh, he's a beautiful man, and he's a beautiful character. And if anyone doesn't like him, I will throttle them with a biscuit. Um, <laughs> but he's just—he's just the loveliest <laughs> character. You will choke on this biscuit. You will. You will. You're rude about Bernard Cribbins. You die. Um, but but he is though. I mean, Wilfred is just such a beautiful character. He's such a lovely. He Wonderful, and you know he's he's that he's that old-fashioned type of guy who's like, well, we'll get through this. You know, we've all got them in our family, haven't we? We've all got somebody oh, yeah. who goes, oh, well, we'll we'll get through it. We've we've lost our house, and everyone that we know is dead. But we, you know, we'll get through it. We always mm. do that sort of thing. Mm. And I love and I love that about him. Greg, earlier you mentioned as well, like that you enjoyed the um, like the mentions of all that kind of other companions and the. And the the characters from the spin-offs and things, and how they've been incorporated into this story, and and I think it's you're right, it's really really clever. And it's funny how it could have been quite, it could have been quite self-important and a bit too self-indulgent. You know what I mean? That they're mentioning all the things from all the other worlds. It could have just been you know quite sort of like cocky, but it isn't. It's done wonderfully, I think. You know, mentioning this is what Sarah Jane is doing. This is what Captain Jack is doing. And it builds this world. They have all these characters doing these marvelous things, and he brings them all in. And I think that it really is done superbly well when that um, photo of Elizabeth Sladen comes on the news that Sarah Jane Smith has passed Aww. away. Yeah. And it just feels a bit bit too real. Like, it's so, so sad. Yeah. Oh. I mean, yeah, you've summed that up pretty well. It's, it's just, it's heartbreaking to see all of the people that we've loved over the past... I guess what, three or four years of the show and all of those incidents that we cheered on the doctor and his companion saving the day at 
they all happen and they're all catastrophic and they're all they all have wild consequences and all of the favorite people we have are dead and it just adds throughout the whole episode it just adds more and more tension and more and more darkness to the the future doesn't it it just adds it there's no there's, the outlook is bleak if you know what i mean it's very bleak yeah and i think it's great that they you know they they make them look so real those like you know when they you say with the photo with elizabeth sladen but even yeah. things like getting the guy back from smith and jones to do that little cameo of on the television yes. you know mm. it kind of makes it more real because it's you know they could have easily just gone oh and this is the news you know this is the news report about it but they brought him back to do that tiny little bit i think it's a great it makes it very real well he it could have been very easily i mean it would have been rubbish but it could have easily been rose just saying well, this happened, this didn't happen, this didn't happen. Just a list of things in a yeah. throwaway comment. But like yeah. you say, yeah, they went to the effort of doing the news reports. They did the whole Titanic thing. You know, they had that wonderfully heartbreaking scene where they're all just stood outside the hotel and they just oh. see that mushroom cloud coming up. And it's London. awful. Yeah, Every just everyone's gone. Mm. And then later on, you just see um, Sylvia saying... Um, just remembering more and more people. Yeah. Oh, she's dead. She'll be dead. He'll be dead. It's just, oh, bleak. Horrid. It is horrid. It is horrid. So do you think then, David, that anything could have been done better in this episode? I'm going to get... Oh, I, I kind of want to say something, but I know it's going to... I know it's going to... Say it. Oh, is say it going to be controversial? <laughs> Please. Jaffa cake is not a biscuit. Absolutely. It's more controversial than that, I would say. I, I, I I'm not a fan of Rose. Now, before we, before, <laughs> before handbags are thrown at each other, and you know, all that, I have, I have nothing against her as a character or an actress. I think Billy Piper's brilliant. I've met her. She's lovely. She's adorable. She's great. But sometimes I think Rose is a bit too kind of. I'm trying the best way to say it. Like I think sometimes it, it always has to be about Rose, and I think when we've had a series knowing she's going to be in it, for me a little bit, once she comes in and becomes really involved, it takes me out of the story a little bit. I don't quite know what they could have done as an alternative, so I'm not, you know, what they did in the end was a really good good way of ending the episode. But for me, I think once, once Bernard Cribbins has gone, basically, I'm out of the episode. No, but once... <laughs> Once kind of the whole unit bit kind of comes in, I'm a little bit kind of disjointed with it, if that makes sense. I kind of think, mm. oh, okay, well, we've kind of had the story of the parallel universe over now. But I don't, yeah, I know it's, it's, I know I'm not making any sense whatsoever, but I think sometimes it would have maybe been, I think what best thing to describe <laughs> it is I think it takes away from Donna a little bit. And I think when it's Donna's episode, I don't again. Don't know what they could have done to have ended it, but I think it took away slightly from Donna's episode. I, I see what you mean. I mean, I, I'm going to ask a really, really controversial opinion here. Then a question: um, Would this episode have been better, or would this whole story arc have been better if Rose hadn't come back? Like, if the parallel parallel world actually was sealed off, or perhaps in this particular parallel world, there was a Rose Tyler working with Unit, and that was that. But I wonder how successful the plot would have been if she hadn't. Well, I mean, I I, I don't know really. I mean, obviously, I'm the antithesis to David. I think that Rose is very welcome, oh, and I love her very much. But I love Rose too. I put that out there. I love Rose too. I'm I'm on the same page. But I think. <sighs> You raise a good point because it could could it have been I mean I'm not necessarily her exactly, but it could have been someone like Martha, mm. you know, come back because she's very techy. She knows, you know, she knows time travel, uh, you know, because she's travelled. It could have been someone else fulfilling that role. Did it need to be Rose? But I think that role that you know did need to be there to because Donna wouldn't have brought herself out of that by herself. Mm -hmm. Because she never had, she didn't think she was anything, did she? She was very, yeah. uh, not very empowered. Um, I think she needed someone to show her that because the doctor wasn't yeah. there to show her that. But yeah. did it need to be Rose? Mm, I don't know. David? I think 
I think for me, like had Rose just come back in the final two episodes, that would have been fine. I I don't know. Again, I don't know what you could have done as an alternative for turn left. I don't know if you could have had Martha, or if you could have had something to make Donna realize that actually she needs to do this. Like she needs to sacrifice herself. I you know I I've made a point, and I don't quite know what they could have done as an alternative. Basically, I've just spoken from my mind and not thought about what I'm saying. But <laughs> um, but for me, I don't know. I think it's. I just think. I think it might have possibly. It would have been a more interesting concept. I think had. Rose not been in it and they and they make kind of Donna more the hero I mean she is the hero but she kind of gets forced to become the hero whereas I think had they done something else where you know even like Sylvia and Bernard had got into trouble that sounds really dodgy I don't mean it like that but as in had had the plot gone towards them being basically on life and death maybe that could have turned her into the hero that she then became I don't know you know Again, it's an alternative reality for even this episode. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they could have done instead. But just for me, I think it being Rose kind of didn't quite work. I suppose it was a good opportunity because Rose, there's a lot going on in the next two episodes. Hmm. Because this would give the opportunity for us to see that Rose has grown to actually, she's not the same Rose as she was. She's, you know... developed a uh you know more knowledge she's gone to a lot of effort to get across you know how even though it's not particularly well explained it you know there's a lot has happened for rose and this gives her an opportunity to show that whereas she doesn't necessarily in the the next episode it's a lot a bit lost um I think I think you both make really good points actually here, and I think that we mustn't forget that like Betty Piper is leading lady, she and she and she was in Doctor Who as well, and she is that caliber of TV actress certainly. So having her mm. and Donna share the screen in this does make an awful lot of sense. And you're right, it gives um, Rose, you know, and the audience a chance to see Rose has grown and changed and become you know defender of the earth in 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 her world. Um, I think this role could have been very, very easily played by Martha in the parallel worlds. Who you know she if if she had gone on her journey with the Doctor, and the Doctor, you know, I think it it could have been really good. Oh, actually, it could have been a um, a classic companion working yeah. Yeah. unit. I or, or, I don't think. I mean, it could have been Kate, couldn't it? Kate Lethbridge. Yeah. I mean, a little yeah. bit ahead of ourselves, but yeah, yeah, could have been I someone like that. I don't think they even. Needed someone. I think it. They I think could have it, had unit. I think yeah. it, it could have just been unit. I think they could have just had Donna mm. realizing what she's got to do. I think it. I don't think it needs them because you know we've already had Martha earlier on in the series, and mm. I, I yeah personally I don't think it needed anyone else. It could have mm. just been a story of Donna realizing what she's got to do, and mm. then deciding actually, you know, it's more important that my granddad and uh, mum survive. I'm going to do it for them, and then that's the reason that they come, you know, come back. You know, she, she, the parallel world shuts. I mean, having said all of that, right? Okay. I mean, because I quite like Rose, and I, and I and I like the fact that we get to see Rose again. I think that's I think that's really lovely that the that the whole cast of the, these these first four years of Doctor Who have come back together to form one big, you know, Avengers Assemble style finale. I think that's brilliant. And I and I love seeing Billy back. Um and I, I have to say that the the cliffhanger for this episode and the, the at the point where we see that kind of blurred Rose Tyler bending down over Donna's dying body and she says, you know, oh yeah, I'm gonna, and the doc, when Donna's recalling that to the doctor and saying, you know, she told me to tell you two words and I can remember vividly watching that for the first time. And the music is building, being like, blonde girl, oh my god, the doctor's going to find out it's Rose, oh my god, finally, because mm. we've been waiting all year. Um, and then uh, she said two words. What two words? What fucking two words, Donna? I'd say the two words. And it, it's like it's a really long, pregnant pause as her mouth slowly forms the first letter. And you think, she's not going to say Rose Tyler, what the hell is she going to say? <laughs> and then when she finally did say Bad Wolf... I remember being completely covered in goosebumps. <laughs> My eyes were full of tears. I was like, this is fucking epic and I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah. 
That was how that was my experience. I was like that, and that the, ma- the next time trailer when they had all like oh. it's like, oh, yes. Harry Jones yeah. is back. Oh my god, Yanto's in it. Ah, okay, Luke's in it. Oh my god, they're all in it. <laughs> yeah, and and all that happens in the, in the same five minutes. Yeah, yeah. it's just I mean. Never has a next time trailer been more exciting. I don't think. I agree. The the hype was real with that, wasn't it? Oh, so like I I I I I'm so happy that we had that cliffhanger be that, and then so I I wouldn't be without Rose in this story. It's just it's quite an interesting idea to think that it could have been somebody else, mm. and that next time trailer really did just just knock me for six and having to wait until that episode I mean was hard I mean waiting for the following episode after that cliffhanger was also very hard but mm-hmm. um, we were really in this run now of kind of uh, we uh, personally I was like I don't want this series to end right now this is too good how can we be without this this is not fair I don't want it to stop it was just getting better and better and I loved it but... it was the same it was the golden era it really was. They call it that, but it, it really, it really, really was. So well, he's hoping they bring that thoughts. back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that there's a lot of um, well, there's a reason why all these people are coming back to the show, mm. actors mm-hmm. and and behind the scenes and everything. There's a reason that these people have wanted to come back. I think. I think. I think as well. In hindsight, having over the years, kind of watched this and watched this and watched this. I think also partly the reason with Billy is I felt sometimes that Rose was like the companion and I know that sounds like a silly thing to say but you know it's always Rose left in series two but she was mentioned a lot in series three Martha didn't really get much of a look in and then series four Rose comes back and then of course she came back for the 50th anniversary and had they said oh you know Billy's coming back for the 60th I would have gone well, you do have two other companions that you did during your time, yeah. Russell. Which is why I'm delighted that it's Catherine, because personally, Catherine is my favourite of the new series companions. But yeah, I just, so... I just, I think that's partly also my thing of, at hindsight, watching the watching this episode later and more and more and more that that's how I feel. But I think maybe now that I know Catherine's coming back, I might change my opinion when I watch it again. Now, is this a space to uh, muse and share things you may have seen online or heard, or is that that not this this space? I feel like you should please feel free, Greg. I'm intrigued. I have no confirmation or anything at all, but I have seen an interview with Free Magiman where she is very coy about her involvement with the 60th. Whether or not she's just being a tease and whether or not she's just doing what lots of people do, I don't know. But I saw that and I thought, oh, interesting. Maybe there'll be a a, a bit of a cameo or some sort of involvement from, from her. I think that will be wonderful. I agree. Same with Rose. I know David probably would, is a bit sick of her. But, um, <laughs> that, that's, it makes you sound like a monster now. <laughs> yeah. Your Val. Yeah. Um, don't be a vowel, David. Yeah, I just think I I hope that the uh, I mean, you know, with my duds and studs, I mentioned about how much I love Journey's End and Stolen uh, Stolen Earth, um, and how much of an orgy there was of people. I really hope that that kind of energy comes back in the 60th in some form, but that's just me being selfish. I want there to be a balance. I want that. Mm. I want this this celebration of sixty years of the show in these three episodes to have. I want. I wanted to have a presence for what's happened in the last sixty years, obviously. But but this is a story about the you know David Tennant and Catherine Tate returning. So I do want it to have most of its focus on those two. Yes. But I'm very. Ha- I'd be very happy if there are other. And the pieces of the puzzle all floating about, but I don't want too much attention taken away from those two, if that makes sense. Well, I, I've got one thing. I know a few things, but I'm not going to say them because they are actually possible spoilers. But I know I know of a bit similar to Greg of of something, which I can tell if you want me to. Well, I did. I mean, I, so last on Friday, last Friday, I went to see Bonnie Langford 
at concert in a Pizza Express. She was amazing. You did. It looked fab. It was incredible. And I sat in front of the plasma vore from Smith and Jones, and I nearly got my straw out and was like, I didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and after the show, I went and met Bonnie Langford, and I got her to sign. You know the promo shot of her from the episodes that are coming out with Shooty. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Basically, I nearly cried in front of her because, cut long story short, she was my assistant when I was a kid and I love her and I'm so excited that she's back. Anyway, she said, oh, she goes, um, yeah, I'm in the finale of Shooties. I'm in the two parts of the finale. And then she said, oh. um, she said a bit more. And then my friend who I was with, Ricky, said, I think you're in more than you're telling us, Bonnie, but you're not saying anything. And she just put a finger on her lips. That's all she said. Mm. And there have been rumours that Mel has been heard on the set. You know, Donna has said, what about Mel? I think was heard on one of the sets. So, Well, I, interesting you should say that because I was looking up, because I am a big fan of Miriam Margulies. Yes. And I hear, I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure which character she's playing, if there's even a name for the character yet. Um, or even if she's a big deal or just, you know, she likes a, a bit part, doesn't she, occasionally. Um, and I was looking at the episode The Star Beast on IMDb, and Bonnie Langford is listed as being in that episode on IMDb. Now, that isn't necessarily gospel, mm. but it's there, so there is, you know, perhaps... Yeah. And I've, I've heard... I've heard that Miriam Margulies is going to be doing the voice of Beep the Meep. That's what I've now that, heard. Yeah, that is something I've heard as well, but yeah. it's not It's not. Um, Confirmed. It's been officially announced, no, but that would be good. Yeah. She's yeah. great. I mean, I would love to be a fly on the wall when her agent offered her that part. Oh, hello, Miriam. You've been asked to be in Doctor Who <laughs> as the voice of this evil rodent. <laughs> like, Well, she was in... She was in um, uh, Sarah Jane, wasn't she? As um, oh yeah, of course she uh, was. Yes, she was. Yeah, she was one of the Rex Corcovellipatorians. Yeah, yeah. Again, I would love to have seen how they said that. <laughs> I'm, uh, well, I'm it's a I'm... it's a farty alien, and I think she probably would have taken a shine oh, to that. I like that. Yeah. 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 I'm uh, going to see Miriam Margulies in September. She's doing a book tour. She's coming to Cardiff, and I'm going to see her. So oh, it's like a so big Q cool. and A thing. So maybe I'll maybe I'll get some courage and ask her about Beep the Meep. Just say, just say, um, I hear you're going to be in a in Dot Two and see what she says. Yes. To be fair, she doesn't seem like someone who would be shy at telling no, you. No. no. I remember yes, once. Really. I remember once going. Sorry, I remember once going to a convention about ten years ago. No, over ten years ago. And David Bradley was there, and he just filmed Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. He'd not long filmed that, and I, I went over to him to meet him for Harry Potter. And I said, "Oh, I, I said I hear you're um going to be in Doctor Who. Like, can you tell me anything about it? Like, you know, trying to get something out of him." And I thought he was going to say, "No, of course I can't tell you anything." He told me the whole plot. <laughs> Did he? He said, and I was like, well, that serves me right for asking, doesn't it? Right. Oh, well. That's brilliant. I love him. He, he shouldn't have done, I don't think. He was like, oh, I don't think. Probably I not. He's like, I don't think I should have told you that. I was like, well, you did. <laughs> Amazing. Shall we do final thoughts then on Turn Left? Do you mm. think our listeners should give a flux about it, David? They, they, yes, they should. And I. Also feel bad because we haven't mentioned him, so I'm going to mention him now. Um, I think... Oh, my God, what's his name? Oh, fantastic, him. Uh, the one who moves in with Donna, they, they move. Uh, what's his name? Rocco. Rocco. Again, what an amazing performance from him. What an amazing performance. I think if you want to watch a good Doctor Who episode with incredible performances, turn left is your, is your, is your, is your go-to. I mean, okay... We've divulged the plot and it doesn't make much sense. <laughs> but who cares? Who cares at the end of the day? It's it's a it's a cracking good episode of Doctor Who. And yeah. That's what you need sometimes. You just need to have an enjoyment for forty five minutes. And if you like watching Bernard Cribbins, <laughs> then come on. <laughs> come on now. Greg, how about you? Oh, I mean, David's just put that perfectly. I couldn't I don't know if I can add anything to that. I mean, it's it's absolutely necessary watching because it's part of season four and all of them are necessary watching. There are no, I don't think there are any 
duds at all in that series but yeah it's just it's got everything excellent acting it's got humor it's got utter heartbreak it's got timey-wimey it's it checks every box i think certainly for me anyway oh, amazing so then it's time to score this episode so how many city executives practicing on temps out of 10 do you give this <laughs> uh, <laughs> i would say that that scene is genius for she's like, <laughs> it she's really like, is bitches. I'd leave you the mouth hat, but I'm worried you cut yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and can I just say, this this episode is so quotable. Um, me and my best friend will quote this often. And sometimes we'll just go, Anne-Marie, at each other. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Anne-Marie. Zach Cliff, he doesn't do anything. Sorry, Cliff. Actually, I'm not sorry. What do you what do? What do you do? <laughs> yeah, so good. <laughs> and, and now you may score, Greg. <laughs> At least oh, ten. Punch. Sorry. sorry. Yeah, sorry. At ten. <laughs> We're just talking over each other, David. Sorry, oh, mate. Sorry, sorry. I apologise. I've just because you've now got me quoted on that ep- on that scene. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it too much. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I've interrupted you. It's all right. Um, yeah, ten. Ten. Full mark. Same as midnight. Can't fault it. David. Out of ten, Bernard Cribbins. Mm-hmm. It's got to be ten Werner Crippens, isn't it? Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go nine, which <gasps> I think is phenomenal. No, no, no. I think it's phenomenal. That is a phenomenal score, right? But for me, there are the un- unanswered questions. Is that yeah? The... Midnight yeah. hits the mark, and there's unanswered questions in Midnight that I'm happy not to know about. I'm happy we don't see the monster. Don't know anymore. I, that 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 is. I'm nicely still intrigued. The unanswered questions in this one just still make my brain that whilst I'm watching it can't shut off trying to work it out. That 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 just shaves the point off for me. But mm. otherwise, I do love this. This is so so good. And one final thing I'm going to say because I don't know if I'm ever going to come back on your podcast after after this, but I just want to say one more thing: Bernard Cribbins. <laughs> 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 As if you're not going to come back on the podcast again, David. Well, that's, Get a very, grip. that's very kind of you, but Bernard Cribbins. <laughs> well, we've got the 60th to talk about, David, and that, oh. that, I'm hoping that'll be heavy on the Bernard. Oh, bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Oh, I can't wait. So, thank you very much, guys, for joining me for this chat today. It's genuinely been so much fun. Um, I will link to both your social medias in the show notes so that people can follow you and carry on the conversation if they so feel the need. Um, So, listeners, what do you think about Midnight and Turn Left? Do you think they emulate perfect choices and go in the right direction? Or do they repeat on you? I want to know. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WhoFluxPod. Thank you very much for listening. Please like and subscribe. And if you'd be so kind to drop me a cheeky little review, that would be amazing because it would help other podcast listeners to find us. And of course, if you want to be a part of the conversation or if you want to join me for an episode, get in touch with the links in the show notes. Greg, please say your goodbyes. Goodbye. And David, please say your goodbyes. Bernard Cribbins. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, and I will catch you on the next episode of Who Gives a Flux as we continue our journey on the road to the 14th Doctor.